Hello, and welcome to Life Lab. I'm David Ponder. And I'm Zach Schaefer. We created a candid podcast for busy people. We get right to the point of our topics, and we keep them to 30 minutes or less. We wanted to put our ideas out there, share it with people we love, and if it spreads, great. Our show has no edits and no gimmicks. Like it or don't, we initially started this project for ourselves, to record our thoughts for our kids, but our friends and family thought we should share it, so here you go. Alright, welcome back to Life Lab. I'm Zach Schaefer. I'm David Ponder. And today we are talking about initiative. 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 Taking initiative. Taking initiative. Yeah. Either, either way. Where do you want to start this one? I'll let you take initiative here. Where do you want to go? <laughs> well, uh, we'll talk about ourselves and, and initiative and what it means to us. You know, I think it, taking initiative to me is recognizing something that I want to do or I want to change and doing it doing it right so it's funny because uh before the podcast we were talking about um how we make our notes and formulate our ideas and you were like well i don't need i don't need i basically have the catalog in my head and i or i understand why i'm looking around this table and i see you make lists for everything i mean here you've got a goddamn list of lessons you took from the movie the founder from that you watched last night. <laughs> it was a good it's, movie. It's but, well, to me, it ties back to what we discussed last week, and it's creativity. When I'm consuming something, you know one of my life values is to be a producer first and a consumer second. So I, I've trained myself. When I'm consuming someone else's art or, or ideas, I want my brain still then springboarding to how can this help me or, or my business or my family. So as you know, watching a show or a movie with me isn't always fun because I'm talking through it. I'm having a conversation. I'm writing things down. <laughs> yeah, but this is a perfect example, right? So like, I think I've become much better at taking initiative uh, when it comes to the larger things. But you have initiative baked in even to the smallest things. Like I'll watch the movie and I'll be like, ooh, I like this idea that I took from it. And I think this in, in, the, in my head while I'm thinking through those things, I'm like, I should write this shit down. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, your change challenge for yourself is just uh, start writing it down. <laughs> right, right. Definitely. Well, tell me about what you like to start defining these terms for you, which I think is really smart because you can define any term, audience. I'll go a little academic on you. You can define any term in at least four ways, conceptually, categorically, operationally, and functionally. And so Dave, when he starts us off defining it for himself, it makes sense because you get a flavor for how Dave views this, but your view and my view might be different and that's okay. Yeah. And they probably are different, you know, like mine, like I said, mine is just recognizing something that you want to do or something that you want changed and then following through and doing it. That's initiative to me. And, um, I think there's an element of my definition of it that is self-motivated Right. So like if someone else is like, OK, well, do it or I challenge you to do it or whatever, you know, that's not that, to me. And a lot about initiative has to do with uh, self being a self starter. So oh, yeah, ooh, nice. Yeah. Self starting key. I mean, mine's pretty similar definition is taking action before others, taking charge, um, conducting independent assessment. Right. In a nutshell, though, prototyping create examples, mock-ups, prototypes of your ideas, even if it's just jotting them down in a list form so that when you have a conversation with someone, you, you've got a head start. Take that initiative. That's good. 
so for me, it starts with the recognition of uh, of the status quo and something that you want to improve on or, or that you don't accept as the status quo. And I think that can be, and ideally, you start internally, right? <clears throat> so when you take initiative, you notice things about yourself or your life that you want to change or improve um, because that's step, to me, that's step one. And then right. getting your own house in order, right? Take the initiative, take action, uh, prioritize what it is that you want to, to do, and then, and then actually do it, you know? Absolutely. And, and I guess there's a new, another idea that I threw in there that we can expand on later, which is getting your own house in order first uh, before you try to affect and change the things externally. So Practice what you preach internally before you try to go externally. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's that control versus concern thing. Too, yeah, a circle right? is a control, yeah. concern. Excellent. Again, Stephen Covey, mm -hmm. great stuff. So I'll practice what I preach, and that's owning your mistakes. So I, I did want to point out I made a quick mistake. When I said you can define uh, anything in four ways, I messed up. Conceptually is categorically. The second one is componentially. You can break a concept down according to its components, and then the other two are still correct. Functionally, what's its purpose? Operationally, how do I know it when I see it? So I just want to point that out in case anybody found that interesting. Um, I find it interesting how our society rewards initiative. Raise your hand first, you get called on, right? Get first to market, you're rewarded. Uh, now, even the intellectual property office, first to file, right? You take initiative, get in line. Yeah, there's that old saying, what is it, like 80% is just showing up. Yeah, Woody, the Woody Allen, baby. I think, though, you have to be careful when you process that because most of the things that you just listed are for others, and I think initiative also has that has that self-fulfillment component to it. Our, when you say what our society values, I, I, we, and this is a repetitive theme in every one of our <laughs> uh, podcasts, but it, it values external production, right? right? So I'm raising my hand to answer a question in class. I'm contributing to the conversation. Yeah, right? but there's a total personal component especially for the young person that's raising that hand it's an ego fulfillment oh i got the answer right i feel good i'm smart validate me stroke me that's true that's true it's i think it's a both and yeah it saying. is it is i just wanted to call that out and say i don't think that initiative is a is fully defined by production true okay so let's stay in the classroom setting right so one of my roles is uh one of the hats i wear as a professor so i'm helping instruct and teach and coach and motivate young adults, right? They're not kids. They're young adults who are trying to figure out their interests, their skill sets, their footing in life and the path they're going to carve. How could I, what advice would you give me to reframe on how they think about taking initiative just in the classroom? What could I do differently? Instead of just saying, throwing out a question and the first person that raises their hand, I call on them. What could I do differently? To me, taking initiative starts with and trying to find a way to communicate to this to your kids and this is actually uh going to be interesting because if they aren't it's it's paying attention first of all pay attention right so the we talked about taking initiative the first part was noticing something that you wanted to change if you're talking about this in a classroom setting you make a conscious effort when you sit down in a classroom setting 
whether or not you want to devote your attention to something or not. And in today's society, there are so many more things competing for your attention than there ever have been before. So step one is giving, giving yourself to what is going on around you at this point in time. So in your classroom setting, it's talking to your kids and saying, look, before you're ever gonna be able to take any kind of initiative to produce something or answer any question or whatever, you're going to have to be present and you're going to have to devote your attention to the moment, to what we I love about. it, man. So you're talking about doing a disclaimer statement up front to teach them how to learn about what it means. So a lot of people, and I was one of these students, I'd raise my hand, in order to answer to respond so that people could either a know oh he's smart or b you know get that stroke from the teacher but what i've reframed it to is i if i'm going to answer first or if i'm calling on students it's answer to understand to contribute to the conversational flow to all of our knowledge at least in an educational setting here it's a and it's a dual benefit right so i love interacting when i'm in classroom settings you know you've experienced that with me before right and i think that I get benefit out of it in two ways. Number one, I'm able to verbalize my current understanding and get confirmation or disconfirmation of my current understanding. And B, by giving that and then taking it one step further, I help guide the conversation. So I like to contribute something new that might be an extension of my current understanding or an extension of what we've talked about up to that point. So I think it's a dual benefit. Absolutely. I mean, my whole teaching philosophy is experiential learning. It's teaching, teaching a person to fish, right? That's teaching them to take initiative on how to bait the hook and reel it in and select the right pole for the right pond, right? And that takes a lot more time and setup in those transparency statements. And that's why I give my students probably way more information than they want about me, like how to work well with Dr. Z. Here's his pet peeves. Here's the things he likes. Here's his expectations for you. What do you expect of him? All of that is me taking initiative to set up the right type of learning environment that I want. I think a lot of professors don't do any of that. And then they just get in. And it's like, okay, here's a question. That's a great first hand raised. You know, that's a great point. And the environment has so much of an influence on it. I was going to ask the question for me, Oftentimes, it seems like it is a personal choice whether or not I want to dedicate myself to be fully present and, and noticing and being fully observant uh, and in, in a present moment. And that's when I said that was step one. Mm-hmm. The key thing that I'm saying there is that to me, it seems like a decision. Although I hear and I suppose I've experienced it more recently, too, that with all the competing things you know it's almost like everyone because of new technology you've got your phone beeping at you your watch your watch is tapping you you're yeah if you have a apple watch it literally taps you it's crazy like somebody's bugging you tapping you on your wrist hey somebody emailed you somebody emailed you it's insane but anyway um you have all these things competing for your attention and it the way that we read things now is different than it used to be right we google it and we try to absorb as much information as we can with reading as little bit as possible so we skim we don't mm-hmm. read anymore anyway all of these things i think go to contribute to that being a harder decision right uh the decision to be present to observe something that you want to either change or contribute to or whatever if that's the step one um so what would you say as a teacher to students 
who you, you're sitting there, you set up your environment the best way that you could, and you're putting the challenge to them now. Step one is being present, is being observant, and is paying attention. And naturally, some people have a harder time of doing that. It, it's so for me, I, right. I look at it as a decision, but I've talked to people who act like it is not their decision. Like they w- if they could make that decision, they would, but that they literally aren't capable of it. Have yeah, you- I, I, that's complete bullshit. I mean, unless they have some cognitive or physical disorder that prevents them from it, fine. Those people are excluded. Mm-hmm. The other people are, are doing exactly what you should not do, and that's using yourself or traits about yourself as an excuse and a mm. rationalization, and that's weak, right? You gotta answer two questions in any moment. What do I get and what do I give up, right? So what we're talking about here is taking initiative to be engaged in your learning. I like that. Right, and I think teachers, whether it's in a college setting, whether you're coaching a client, whether you're talking to your kids, right? It, it's not just in school settings. Teaching cuts across humanity in all spheres of our life. We're constantly sharing stories and giving anecdotes and advice in order to improve others' actions and knowledge. That's teaching, right? But at the end of the day, the best teachers are trying to close the attention-retention gap. Attention is in the moment. I'm listening. I'm skimming. I'm reading Google. Okay, I've got an idea. Let's throw it out. And then it's gone as soon as I walk out the door, the conversation's over. Retention is what we commit to memory and what changes our actions and behaviors in the future. So I think... So there's assumed attention right there. Absolutely. Um, So the question I ask any audience is, A, I think about who is my audience? What is my goal for this audience at this moment? And then I'll throw it to them in different ways. But it's all basically... What do you want to get out of this? When we're done with this, you'll have new knowledge, some new principles, but it's on you to take initiative and take action and implement them, right? Because we're not learning math, write it down, okay, I got that problem right. It's learning strategies to communicate more effectively, negotiate more effectively, solve conflict better. But we're in a a setting, a bubble. If you don't get out and practice those skills, they're not going to get better. So I try to give them the confidence to take initiative. And when I'm working with clients or adults, that pedagogy or that philosophy is much different. I challenge them hard to say, look, you're already smart. I get it. You've got a good career, but you're, you're going to sit here for two hours with me. Are you just going to sit here and twiddle your thumbs and be on your phone? If so, great. I'm not going to acknowledge you. I'm going to focus in on the people who care and who are engaged and want to make positive change. I like that. And I like taking this two different directions. Number one, we started the conversation talking about the classroom setting, but expanding that and saying, Let's, why don't you just look at your life as a classroom? Right. Because your life is constantly teaching you things. Life lab. There are things to be learned any, in any situation that you're at. Oh, you know, Having kids is a really great way to remind yourself of this when your kids are so observant of things that you noticed years ago when you were a kid, and now you just take them for granted and you don't even notice them. You just skim over them. They never come present to your mind, right? Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden your kid says, hey, daddy, like, you know, that tree is very tall, something like that. And you're like, oh, yeah, that it, it really is. I can't believe how tall that tree is. I never really would have looked at it mm-hmm. in, compar- in comparison to the other things. But that step one, paying attention and being very observant of your environment, helps you identify the things that you want to uh, either absorb or take action on or eventually take initiative. Step one, notice, right? No- noticing, yep. There's some really good research out there on 
the importance of noticing and how to improve it. So if that's something the audience is interested in, just shoot us an email and I can point you in that direction. But you hit on something with the, the parenting aspect. And I like that this is becoming a focus because I didn't want us to be too focused on business or our accomplishments. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Parenting is, as we both know, hopefully will be one of our greatest accomplishments is helping create good humans. Our good friend, very good friend, and both of our uh, financial advisor, Gary Craig, Charles Schwab, certified financial planner. Go to Gary Craig. Go to Gary Craig, Peoria, Illinois. Um, he took initiative in also helping his kids take initiative. And what he does is no matter how busy he is in that moment, if one of his three kiddos asks him a why question, he stops shuts down or closes the screen, stops mowing the lawn and answers it and has a conversations. So talk about taking initiative on his own. He's a very busy person, a very successful financial advisory practice, three kids. He does that, but he's also teaching them to foster their curiosity and ask questions. And man, you know, he's like, I'm not the perfect parent. None of us are. But when he told me that, that was just gold. And being present, right? Mm -hmm. Shutting that screen, sitting and showing the kids that he's taking the time to be with them. You, kid, kids learn from what you do a whole lot more than what you say. And I think, let's, let's just expand that. The people that you interact with learn from what you do a lot more than what you say. And the way that you carry yourself uh, is an example of that. So being present in the moment with someone, want to talk about like the very best first part of taking initiative stop be present in the moment you know um i think to go back to initiative in a in a grander sense right and and talking about okay why are we talking about this why are we talking about noticing something and then trying to make a change to it uh it's because and i don't know if this was a part of i think this was an underlying theme but it wasn't directly addressed in in these words but I did see it directly addressed in these words somewhere else. But I, re I remember the AARP article that we've referenced on several episodes um, that basically talks about the regrets of the dying, the, f the five most common regrets of the dying as told from someone who gave hospice care. And I read something that said that you'll regret the things that you didn't do more than the things that you did. Yep. So it's interesting then to say that in that final stage of life, so many people do the noticing when it's too late. So they're sitting there, they're reflecting, and they're doing the noticing of, of the things that they wanted to accomplish. They're change. noticing the gaps yeah, rather than the bridges. Yeah, they're noticing, they're, they're reflecting and they're noticing on the things. So clearly they must have noticed it earlier in life and then not taking the next they repressed step. their noticing not taking the initiative <laughs> to do anything about it and now they are regretting oh i wish i would have hmm. wish i would that's so i'm going to tie it back to something you said and then come back to exactly what you're talking about with this hospice article okay and this uh, isn't me trying to springboard off of your point this is mother teresa so it's it's fucking good wisdom it's, you can't argue you, you with can't mother argue with teresa <laughs> but what she said was People will forget what you say to them. People will forget what you do for them. People will not forget how you make them feel. That's and awesome. so what I think what Gary is doing in that situation is 
his kids are going to forget the anecdotes clearly and the actions he might be doing, but they're not going to forget that he stopped and made them feel good and loved and gave them attention. And so coming back to this hospice care, can I in, 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 yeah, yeah, jump, jump in, in please. Cause I think that's one of the most important ideas that we can highlight throughout all the episodes of our podcast. Uh, something that I think is your life is nothing but a series of feelings. We are, I just wrote this weird. I got goosebumps. We are an accumulation of our emotions. That's it. The way that you feel on a daily basis is your life. That's it, period. You know, like you you can talk to people and and we talk about all kinds of things, right? Like trying to achieve or, you know, when you're talking about taking initiative, that generally that's where the American mindset goes. Okay, what am I producing? What am I achieving? Am I taking initiative to become successful? How much money did I make? Yeah. What do other people think of me? Well, here's the bottom line is how did you feel inside? Because at the end of the day, everyone in the world could think that you're the most amazing person. And if you feel awful inside, your life is awful. And that's it, period. So Ooh, interesting. So initiative has a connection to integrity. So when you're taking action, taking charge, doing these things that we're rewarded for, would you still do them if no one was noticing you doing them? To me, that's integrity. It's acting in a way in accordance that you do privately and you think's the right thing publicly as well. And I think think the the way I don't know you have to look at it, each thing in an individual circumstance and you should answer it to the way that you prioritize your your values so to speak so I would say if we're talking about this in terms of a process which I often do and I try to break these things out but step, you're process driven that's good yeah, so step one noticing step two uh, well actually let's go ahead and let's say step one is understanding our own personal values what is it that makes us, what is it that improves our feeling the most, okay? So then we know I want to maximize that in life and I want to minimize the things that make me feel bad in life. And I don't mean physically, well, sure, I mean physically, but I also mean emotionally and I mean mentally. I mean, in all the ways that you can, you can possibly mean the term feel, you want to maximize the things that make you feel good and minimize the things that make you feel bad. Uh, and there's a whole philosophical conversation we could do about you need the bad to feel the good. And yes, I agree with that. And, but that's a whole other conversation. So without that, with skipping over that, then the next thing is I know my values is step one. Number two is I prioritize my values to say because I know my, what my values are and which ones are be- you know make me feel better, then I'm going to prioritize based on that. Then I'm going to notice, right? Then I'm going to tie things in my current life to my list of values in my prioritization and those that are out of line those are that are out of order that need attention i'm going to prioritize them and and then your question then goes to that which is are you prioritizing based on other people noticing them or are you prioritizing them based on your integrity your values your uh what makes you feel good yeah i mean integrity is also where your actions and your words are aligned with your values, right? Yeah. Well, yes, with your values. Hopefully, you or just through period, them. just period, just period. Right? You do what That's you say. Good. That's good. Yeah. Either way. Uh, so this quote popped in my head, and it's not even. Well, wait a minute. We interrupted and never got back to something you were going to say about. Uh, yeah, I was just going to say the hospice article. Yeah. Those people at the end of their life are focusing on the gaps and I'd call it a feeling deficiency. They have this feeling, this emotion when asked a question, they focused on, 
I didn't go after, I didn't take initiative to do something I thought I would have been good at or I was passionate about or I loved. And that feeling is reemerging at the time near the time of death. Man, that's powerful. Like go after your goals. And if you, if you fail, okay, learn, do something different. The only failure is not trying is quitting. The, you only get one shot at this life is the point of that article. You don't get another one. You don't get a do over. And re-examining on a periodic basis, you know, as often as possible, re-examining what you're doing and where it, where it, how fulfilling it is, how it makes you feel, something is an exercise that needs to be done. Anyway, how I have two questions. I'll ask the less important one first. When does having too much initiative backfire? Mm. Yeah, so definitely having too much initiative does backfire. I'll take it back to the thing that I said when I said you should notice the things internally that you want to fix first or that you want to address first before then moving externally and then tie that to that whole circle of concern versus circle of control Um, and I believe initiative can backfire when you notice things that are outside of your control you know they may be in your circle of concern and you get fixated on changing them without having the control to do so which is a recipe for failure. It's a recipe for increased anxiety. It's a recipe for uh, like obsessive compulsive disorder, I think is kind of tied in with all of that. So it's like, I'm trying to impact things I have no control over. I'm trying to take initiative that I shouldn't be trying to take. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. It's an interesting question for someone like me who, who naturally ha- takes a lot of initiative, right? Yeah. Take tr- charge so to speak likes to be the first at doing things if that makes sense and so sometimes I have to take initiative at pulling back my initiative (laughs) at not being the alpha or whatever you want to call it well there's that exercise that can be a struggle well and I think to, to say where is that line that you cross between it being a worthwhile thing that you need to take initiative on and being something that you need to let go and move on and focus on things that you can control and right. that you should take initiative on. That line is, it's blurry, it's fuzzy, it's different for everyone, it's different in every situation. I don't think there's any magic bullet on how do you, uh, how you understand whether one thing is, is one or the other. However, two things I'll say. If you do the exercise and the process that I talked about by prioritizing and coming up with your values and acting based on your values, Hopefully the things that are at the top of your list to take initiative on, the things that you're actually putting time towards, are far past that line. They shouldn't even be close to the line of when is this going to be bad or is this outside of my control, number one. And number two, if you do the exercise that uh, a lot of people talk about if you're trying to increase happiness, you need to be grateful. Make a list of the things that you're grateful for. I, I think that exercise will help illuminate Things where it's like, look, I've got all these great things in my life, you know, that thing that I was fixated on that I have no control over, whatever, let it melt into the background, right? Let me bring these things to focus, the things that I'm grateful for. Nice. That reminds me, I started a grateful bucket this year and I haven't filled it with any memories for the last month. Now I have been traveling a little, but I'm going to do a... I'm going to add a few. So I'm going to take initiative, thanks to your reminder there, and add some more to that. Yeah, my wife Lauren started one of those. We have it sitting on our yeah, kitchen counter. It's, I'm actually going to go read some today. And that's – take initiative, Zach. <laughs> Write down some stuff. 
My second question, which I think is more important, if you haven't picked up on this, one of my greatest values is if I can help contribute to raising two outstanding humans who are happy and fulfilled, I've done my job as a man on this planet. So my question is, how can we teach our kids initiative without also teaching them to be bastards? And you know what I'm saying? Like, we have a president who takes quite a bit of initiative, right. but a lot of people don't like the type of initiative. So how do we take teach our kids take charge, act, you know, before others do, in, have independent assessment and confidence. The word compulsive comes to mind when you, when we talk about, uh, our president Trump, he seems like a compulsive person. He seems like one who doesn't do too much introspection and he doesn't do too much evaluation of ideas. So, you know, going back to the process, having values or, or recognizing things that, that, are, that you want to change, right? So we talked about being in class, noticing, right? This, peop, there's like a missing step for some people. They notice and they act, right? They notice and they act. Like there's a step in there that you need to put, and that's the evaluation step. Right. It, I did call it notice and react. Sure, react, right? Oh, brings us back to our favorite uh, Victor Frankl quote about the space between stimulus and response. But yes, yes. So, for instance, I mean, one way I teach my daughter to have initiative is she knows in any situation she is programmed, if you will. Here's how she meets someone, whether it's a child or an adult. Hi, my name's Claudia. What's your name? With a handshake and a look in the eye. I mean, she's she's down. She's got that down. It that's freaks awesome. people out. I love that. So to me, that's taking initiative. And I'm going to try to teach her some of these ta other tactics in life. But I guess I need to just be careful with the types of initiative that I'm taking because as you've talked about the noticing and how much they notice, I need to make sure I'm not compulsive, as you called it, um, and I'm taking initiative in a way that adds to or aligns with my values. Yeah, it's so interesting. Um, so when you think about people and the initiative that they will take on a natural basis, I can think about the people that I know most closely and I can see that it's it's an innate part of them. It's almost a part of their personality. So, for example, my mom takes initiative based on the needs of others. She's yeah. a very caring person. Extremely. And she won't take initiative based on her own needs uh, until she has perceived that the needs of everyone around her have been met. It's amazing. It's, it's, it's an interesting thing. What do you think that that is? That I don't know. Yeah, I have no good answer. She's just uh, a naturally com caring and compassionate person. Yeah, I think your wife Kizzy is that way as well. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Well, let's take it a step further, though, to where it can become a deficiency. Okay. My dad. Ah. He take Don Schaefer, the Don, the legend, Don Mancini. And Don, I hope you're listening, and we love you. Oh, absolutely. But in order for him to listen, he would have to have a computer <laughs> and iTunes and that. None of that's going to happen. Josh, maybe you can play this for him. But he puts others' needs so far ahead of his own, it, I couldn't even identify what his needs yeah. are at this point. I, yeah. I don't know if he could. Well, and that's, you know, the, they always say he, someone is this to a fault. And that's yep. your dad. Your dad is giving to a fault. Yes. He cannot say no. Um, so I talk about taking initiative. And he's old school Catholic, right? He, he believes that St. Peter's up there with a ledger taking note of his actions and behaviors on earth. And the more good actions and goodwill that he creates in terms of helping others who um, 
might not be able to help themselves, that that will be his key to heaven. And I'm not saying this in a condescending way. Yeah. That's what he believes. Yeah. And, and he and, acts as such. Right. But, you know, for 15 years now, it's just been an ongoing tension. It's like, you got to take care of yourself, too. You got to love do. yourself. Take initiative on your own. You know, I think there's, there's some sort of responsibility of taking care of yourself first um, in order to care for others. It's the airplane. The masks come down. If you don't put your oxygen mask on first, you can't help your kid That's or your parent it. next to you, period. That's it. That's it. That's a great analogy. And so, yeah, Dad, put on your oxygen mask, put man. That we love you. <laughs> you got to put yours on first or else you're not going to be able to help like you should. Yeah, that's great. Well, I think we'll wrap up with some change challenges. Uh, Dave started with his last time first, so I will take a little initiative and throw throw one out there for you. Just take a plunge into one of your ideas. Y you've got ideas. Start on one. Just take some steps and begin doing something with it, even if that first step is having a conversation with someone else about it. I'll go toward the beginning part of my process, which is if you haven't <clears> – <throat> Set, set your um, values and a list of things that you notice that don't align with your values that you want to, to do to change. Come up with that list. It's got to be a two-part list. It's got to be what makes me feel good and what are my values, you know, as, as one side of it. And then on the other side, what are the things that are clearly in my circle of control that I want to do or change or whatever. And, the, you know, come up with those lists. <clears throat> you don't have to act on the top one. Sometimes the top one can be daunting or overwhelming. It can be something that is like a massive life change, right? But you could come up with that list and see that there's one that bubbles toward the top that is a small thing that you can execute on. So for example, uh, having fun laughing to me. If I'm talking about things that make me feel good, laughing and play, and that would be really high on my list, and I don't get enough of it. So on our last episode, we put out a challenge to each other that was one of our bucket list items, right, is to go up and do some stand-up comedy. June 3rd, 2018. And you want to talk about having to take initiative to actually do that. You know what I mean? That's one of those things where, oh, man, we, d we missed a huge thing that we didn't talk about, self-limiting beliefs, mm. right? So the fear factor, the thing that's holding you back from taking initiative. Um, Was you Joe Rogan the host of Fear Factor? <laughs> you really just throw <laughs> Joe Rogan things in whenever you can. <laughs> Yep, the term fear, the fear factor term was never around before that show. <laughs> I, was, I was specifically referencing the show. Uh, and Joe, of Joe Rogan if you ever hear this, that. Dave Ponder really likes uh, you, buddy. Hilarious. But the, so fear holding us back, uh, getting over that fear. So what I'm saying is take, take that list. Once you find something that you can execute on, regardless of whether you're afraid, and maybe notice some anxiety and try to overcome it try to eliminate that self-limiting belief and just fight the tide, so to speak. But you get what I'm saying. My, my change exercise is create a values list, uh, things that you notice that you want to change, and then pick one of them and set a date. I'm going to do this by this. I like it. Mine, mine's a little darker. Okay. Uh, I don't know. I'd call it maybe a regret reframing. Make a list of the regrets that you have up to this point in your Ooh. life. And if you're lucky enough to not have any, great. Then exercise complete. 
most people probably have one or two. Um, so got to have some. I got to have something. I don't know, man. I don't. I don't really have a lot. I would say even notice the list of regrets, which is I. Re- if I died today, I regret not. Okay, doing Okay, there this. you go. There you go. So then we all would have them. Yeah. So it's not so just if, what if did I, I yeah, do. If I die today, what didn't I do? What didn't I do? So make a list of some regrets. And then pick one that's doable, right? Don't go uh, pick, yeah, oh, I wish I would have married the yeah. first person. Like, let I wanna, that one go. I wish I would have helped children in Africa avoid malaria. So I'm sorry, got kids, I'm moving to Africa. Right. Do something that you can take action on, take initiative on. But all I want you to do is reframe the regret. Reframe it away from the fear, the coulda, shoulda, woulda. And try to take a lesson from that that can improve your life currently. So let go of the regret, learn something from having not done it, and then apply that nugget of knowledge in your current life. And the bottom line, do something. Yep. Let's just say that. Take initiative. Go do something. Take initiative. Experiment with life. Great. Thanks for listening. Hopefully we'll hear you next week. Wrong. You'll hear us next week. (laughs)